You can open up to Exodus 20, and you can put a marker in Hebrews 4, I believe. And uh, Exodus 20, of course, is the Ten Commandments. That's where Moses goes up on the mountain, and God gives him the Ten Commandments. And I don't know if you remember, uh, when I taught the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord kept showing me the two different mountains and how different they were. In Mount Sinai, when God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses, boy, it was a scary, scary thing. It says the mountain quaked and it trembled and there was a sound of a trumpet. It just kept getting louder and louder and louder. And God even warned the people, don't you be coming up here, you know. <laughs> you, 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 you just can't come up here. And that mountain where the Old Covenant was given, the, the law was given, was a fearful and a strange thing. God on, can we say God on the mountain scared the bejabbers out of them, okay? Now, New Testament, God on the mountain. We had the sun on the Sermon on the Mount. And the people aren't, aren't told to stay away. They're, they're, they're actually invited to come. And whereas on the, and on the Sermon on the Mount, what I've read about it, it's a, it's a pleasant place. It's not way out in the wilderness. It's got grass. Pleasant to, uh, to sit there. And it just reminds me so much of the two covenants, you know, God at sundry times and divers manners and times past spoke unto us by the prophets, but hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son. It's quite a contrast between the two different covenants, you know. And uh, the reason I think he's bringing this up now, part of it is for me personally, but you might be able to get something out of out of this, (laughs) Uh, you know, because he's calling all of us into a deeper time. I'm just going to say intimacy. I don't want to just limit the word worship because we have such a category that we put with worship, what worship is. But really, I'm talking about everything that has to do with waiting on God. Everything that has to do with that. Sometimes it's worship. Sometimes some of the best personal experiences I have ever had with God was when I was just quiet and had been quiet for a while. Now, we're going to look first at Exodus. We're going to look at the first covenant and draw some analogies out of there for our new covenant. Because where we're going, it's got to be his presence. This is a presence revival. So when God came down on Mount Sinai and there's clouds and lightnings and thunders and the sound of a trumpet and the whole mountain is shaking, would you say God's presence was there? Yes, we're in agreement, right? Now, who got to go up into God's presence? Only one. Just Moses. So, and I'm not going to read the Ten Commandments. That's not the lesson tonight. You know the Ten Commandments here in in Exodus chapter 20. What I'm interested in is what happened at the end of it. So, the Ten Commandments, let's pick it up in verse 18. So, while Moses is up there... In the cloud, all the people can see is the thunder and the lightnings and the sound of these trumpets and the quakings, and it scared them bad, okay? But Moses is in there. He's in the cloud up there with God. He's in, let me say, he's in God's presence, and he's receiving instruction, okay? Now, the people in verse 18, all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountains smoking. And when the people saw it, (laughs) they removed and stood afar off. 
That tells me at, at first I think they were at the base of the mountain. I think they backed up. <laughs> Stood afar off. Okay. And they said unto Moses, and get this. They said unto Moses, speak thou with us and we will hear. But let not, excuse me, but let not God speak with us lest we die. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God has come to prove you, and that his fear may be before your faces, that you sin not. In other words, he's showing himself that way to, to that species, species. Before they're born again, flesh creatures, okay, that they sin not, scare the bejabbers out of them, okay? Parents know all about that. If you don't clean your room, I will apply the board of understanding to the seat of learning. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fear at, at a certain stage. Now, that's what God's doing here. Now, verse 21, And the people stood far off, and Moses drew near unto the thick darkness where God was. Now, in the past, you've heard me talk about the... It's, um, and listen, everything that I'm saying, you know that I am all about praying in other tongues. I really am. I still am. I, always, I will be forever. But for Gary, praying in tongues kind of became a safeguard. The type, and anal- the type and shadow here is Moses is a type of my spirit. He gets to go up and be in the presence of God. And notice it doesn't kill him. Okay? This is exactly like how Dave would teach us more, like we'd come right up to the, the curtain in the Holy of Holies, and uh, only the high priest could go in there, and only once a year, and only after washings and ceremonial procedures, and even then they tied a rope around his ankle in case he didn't sanctify enough. He might fall dead in God's presence, and they'd, they didn't hear the little bells on his robe still tinkling. They'd drag him out by that rope. Next! <laughs> and then another one. It was scary, see? And we're going to look at the verse in a minute, but we're told in our covenant we can come boldly to the throne of grace by a new and living way, by the blood of Jesus Christ. And when we get there, we don't find judgment. When we come in there, we find mercy and grace to help in our time of need, see? It's, it's two, diff- two different mountains, two different covenants. But still what he's showing me is w- what happens. See, when you're praying in other tongues, it really is your spirit that goes into the Holy of Holies. It's like Moses going into the cloud. And so the type and shadow, Moses is receiving instruction. It's exactly like Dave taught us. When you're praying in other tongues, it's your spirit man praying. Your, your soul has to stay kind of, you know, outside of the curtain and uh, pull up a chair and you know, wishes it had brought field and stream or something to read because it's bored. It doesn't know what's going on in there, just like they didn't know what's going in there. And then once your spirit has received the edification, has received the knowledge, it's really your spirit that comes back and informs your soul. So you're dealing really, even though you're being instructed by God, your soul is not directly in the presence of God by that method. You all getting this? And you know why? Uh this way, your soul only has to deal with your spirit and not directly with God. Because when your soul deals directly with God, your soul dies. <laughs> your unrenewed soul, the part of you that's Gary, the part of you that wants Gary's way. I'm using Gary to be nice to you. <laughs> the part of Gary that wants a, a approval of man, the part of Gary that wants bigger and better this and that, you know, it dies. It dies in God's presence. So, no, okay, I'm going to sit out here. My soul is going to stay out here. 
Spirit man, you go talk to God. You pray in tongues. I want to be out here reading my magazine <laughs> or watching YouTube channels. You know, you've heard me talk about that. I'm going to I'll be flying over Norway <laughs> looking at the aerial views while you're in there. And then you can come back and you can tell me what God said, and then I'll decide if I'm going to obey that or not. Can you see the problem with that? Can you see the problem with that? That still leaves your soul in the position of dominance. Hmm. Y'all getting anything out of this? Well, and that's, it's okay. I mean, Dave taught us it's okay. He said, listen, it, it, it'll still work. I, I don't remember who it was one time. I think I do, but I don't remember well enough to say. Someone asked Dave one time, my kids don't want to pray. What if I paid them by the hour? Would that work? <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll pay them. I'll pay you so much an hour if you'll pray in tongues. Will, will that work? They said, sure, it'll work. Because what matters is the communication. Their spirit is going to be taught by the Holy Spirit, even if the motivation at the beginning is I'm going to get an extra five bucks or whatever. Still yet, the end result, their spirit is going to be taught by God. And your spirit then is going to start informing your own soul uh, about this. Now, I said all that to say this. You can pray in tongues. Now I understand even better why Dave says praying in tongues is a revelation gift. But it's not a presence gift. You've got to understand the people that stayed down at the foot of the mountain, Moses came down. They received the revelation knowledge that he got. That's exactly like praying in tongues. Your spirit gets taught, comes down off the mountain, and it communicates then with your soul. And your soul makes a decision whether it's going to obey or not. Okay? Are we, we're all on board so far. Now, let's talk about Joshua. And I, again, he's not letting me prepare lessons exactly the way that I used to. But if you really study this out, you're going to find out Joshua got to go with Moses up, up on top of the mountain. Nobody else but him. But, uh, and did you know this? That, that when Moses and Joshua went on top of the mountain, they, it was six days. There was silence for six days before God said anything. We're not told why. <laughs> Ever seemed to you like you've done everything that you know to do? You've, you've gone up the mountain, you're praying in tongues, and the silence is deafening? Boy, I've had those times. I've had those times. It was six days before God said anything to either one of them. But there's the glory cloud the whole time. You're sit, they're sitting outside the glory cloud on top of the mountain. Thunder, lightning, smoke, trumpets. Scary. But they're just sitting there, just outside the glory. Can I say just outside the presence? Okay. And Joshua is not really invited in. Finally, on the seventh day, God invites Moses in. So Moses, for the next 34 days, is in the presence of God. In this cloud where you can't see him, though. Did you ever think about Joshua, who stayed on the mountain, 34 days, by himself, while he couldn't even see Moses. All he can see is the glory cloud and the thunder and the presence, uh, well, the... the trumpet sounds and all of that 34 days over a month sitting there so many questions I'd like to have answered that God chose not to give us well did he fast 34 days 
I don't know. Did he, did he eat anything? If he did, what did he eat? Did you send angels to talk to him while Moses was in there? <laughs> We're not told any of that. And I think the reason why is endurance. Now, I never had really thought about it a whole lot till recently, but I saw it. And you know he didn't leave. He stayed there because later on it says, we came down from the mountain. So Joshua came down with Moses. He didn't come down before. 34 days. 34 days. Your soul, in this case Joshua, so close to the presence, but not in the presence. Boy, I feel like we're getting pretty close to that. <laughs> but something happened with Joshua during that time. Now, Joshua was already Moses' servant and went with Moses and did pretty much everything for Moses. But after these events, Moses built the tent of meeting. And it was an amazing thing. You read that whole story, what really happened? Because God wouldn't talk with just everybody. He would talk with Moses. And people would give Moses their questions. Moses and Joshua would go into the tent of meeting. And it, it was such a sight, such a wonder, that everybody in the whole camp, they went to the, they went to the front of their tent and they stood and watched while the cloud, the pillar of cloud came down right at the entrance to the tent of meeting. And it says God would talk to Moses face to face as a man talks to his friend. And again, though, jo Joshua is in the tent. Now, an amazing thing with there, and again, I'm, I, you can read this all for yourself. It's right here close in Exodus. When it come time for Moses to leave the tent, he would leave. But it said Joshua would remain. Now, we know what's happening with Joshua. What, what, what becomes of Joshua later? The mantle passes to him. He's the one in training. Isn't that right? He's the one that's actually going to take them into the promised land. Okay? But he, what happened, he would linger after Moses would live. Now, Joshua had a family. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So Joshua had a wife and had children. Okay? But he would linger even after Moses left. He would linger. He would remain in the tent for a while. Why? I think he got addicted to being near the presence on that mountain for 34 days. He says, I can't live without this anymore. I can't live without this anymore. And that's where we are right now. Knowledge no longer is enough. It's no longer okay for just my spirit to go up and be in the presence of God. No. Through worship and through seeking Him and through waiting on God, we, all of us, have got to be in his presence. And when we come out, so here's another question. Here's, here's Joshua on the mountain, 34 days, more than a month, 34 days. There, I just, I try and meditate this, 34 days, right there, and there's the cloud, the flashing, the, the, the noise, the shakings, right there, but you can't go in. But when Moses finally come out, and it said his face shone, shined. His face was shining. He, he had to eventually put a veil over his face because the people couldn't take it. Wonder what, wonder what Joshua thought. I'm going in there next. 
<laughs> I don't know what he thought. He might have thought, I'm not ever going in there. I don't know what he thought. But I know this. He was a changed man after being just near the presence for 34 days. He became an addict. Dave, and I've heard Bronx say the similar thing, and Jim Martin also say the similar thing. He says, when, you, when you've actually been in there and you've tasted of his presence, where your soul actually tastes of it, you become an addict. It's the most addictive thing that there is to be literally in the presence of God. See, and I, apparently he doesn't mind repetition. I can't help the fact that he keeps having me retell the same stories. But those days when Dave was doing that worship, extended worship, we call those the crying days. And it's not so Dave would cry, but everybody would cry. I mean, he would just walk out of that door into the building and weeping would just spot people that didn't even see him walk in because the atmosphere would change. How many were here during those days? I mean, it's just amazing. And then I saw it at Jim Martin's church and we'd see it other places, you know, uh, when Dave would, would walk in. But it's because he spent all that time in the very presence of God. Now, see, go over to Mark 4 for just a no, Hebrews 4, I believe it is. Again, so the second mountain, where God's God on the mountain again, but this time it's God the Son on the mountain. And He's teaching us. And this time, all of us get to hear directly. See, it's a, the, the, the Sermon on the Mount. Most people make it Many people, not many, not many, <laughs> some preachers today still, they'll say, the Sermon on the Mount is not for the church because it's too high. I mean, nobody could even keep the law. And now Jesus raises the bar under the law. You, you, you weren't guilty unless you committed adultery. But under the Sermon on the Mount, you're guilty for looking on a woman with adultery in your heart. Same with murder and all the other things. So they'll say, well, that's not really for Christians, but it really is. See, there's only one way to live the Sermon on the Mount. You have to die. <laughs> it's exactly, you have to die. Another life has to take over. Christ in you has to, has to come. And he, he's the only one that can live that life. And he can live it, but only as you yield, as you die unto him, see. That it's not a mountain that's covered with smoke and vapor and scary. This mountain is inviting and it's pleasant. Come, un come away with me. Come away with me. We have a gospel. We have a, we have a power. We have a presence that they did not have then. They weren't even allowed to come into that cloud like Moses was. But to us, come away with me, my beloved. Because you are a new creature. It's the truth of the matter is, we can live the Sermon on the Mount. Because the old Gary died. The old you died. It's Christ in us now is our hope of glory. That's the whole gospel. Nobody can do it on their own. That's, that's right. You, you can't come in this presence. You can't live here without dying. Come on in. <laughs> come in and die. Hallelujah. You know, come in and die. So Hebrews 4, Starting in verse 14, says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, 
Let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which can't be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like, like as we are, yet without sin. Here it is. Let us, therefore, come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. We're coming into... Yes, sir. Why'd you close your Bible? Because I heard close your Bible. (laughs) Um, One of the more recent prophecies that's come through Pastor Bronk, uh, they're all excellent. But the part that stood out to me, because many people have asked, you know, well, we knew what to confess during the election year. We knew what to say. We knew what to pray. We knew what to do. What do we do now? Well, I can't tell you exactly like confession for the, you know, elections and stuff, but I can tell you this because the Holy Spirit said it through Pastor Bronk. He said, whatever, you, now he's talking about the prayer time, the worship time, the fasting time, the word time. In there it says, whatever you did in 2020, do at least that in 2021. Well, now we got our marching orders, don't we? Now we know what to do. I'm trying my, uh, I'm just staying very close to the word how I'm praying right now because my soul gets involved and I get mad. <laughs> and, uh, but my, I'm staying very close to the word exactly like uh, how it says to pray for kings and all that are in authority over us. I'm just praying that kind of prayer just directly from the word, things from Proverbs, things from Psalms. Then just staying with the word ex- strictly. We may come up with something for you, but you can make your own really. But I do know what he wants for Gary. I'm going to always send my Moses. Can I say it that way? I'm always going to send my Moses to spend a lot of time in the cloud. My Moses. I'm talking about my spirit. I'm not going to back off praying in other tongues. I need revelation knowledge, don't you? But it's really time for Gary to die. And I'm talking about the part of me that doesn't want to yield, the part of me that still wants my way, the part of me that's still selfish, the part of me that whatever. My soul has got to go in there now. And we're invited in. We're invited in. Come on in with all of you. Come away with me, my beloved. And times of worship, uh, times of quietness, times of just spending your time with Him, waiting on God. That's six days. God could have spoken on the first day. Six days. Even at the ugly building, I don't ever think I went six days. There was a lot of long, silent times. Y'all hear, y'all, not y'all. I published the, I get put out the face-to-face and many other things that he said to me. And you think, oh, God was just a chatterbox the whole time. No, he wasn't either. There's a lot of quiet. Hello, God. Hello, I'm back. Shandai Mahandai, hello. <laughs> sometime a whole day, sometime days. I don't ever think I went six days. But then, if you think that's something, six days. You know, they're human. They have to think like we... Th- I mean, of course, they're seeing the cloud and all. I mean, that helps. Okay, they're seeing all that. But part of you has to be going, are you sure, you, are you sure we're supposed to be here? He hadn't said anything. 
Boy, I had that kind of thought so often. Praying over there at the ugly building. And then if you think six days is something, then think about Joshua. Thirty-four days alone on the mountain, right next to the presence of God, but not in the presence of God. Now that's a spell over a month. But it, even that did something in him. Even though he did not get to go into the cloud, it made him an addict for God's presence. So when the cloud would descend and come down to the tent of meeting, and Joshua, God's not talking to Joshua, but Joshua's in the tent. And he's, God's talking to Moses face to face as a man talks with his friend. Joshua's an addict now. And even after Moses left, can I stay a while? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I can see you're addicted. (laughs) Yes, sir. Okay. And I'm going to close with this. Anymore, I'm not trying, and I never was really trying, but anymore, I don't care how long or short the services are. I just want him to say, I just want to give him a chance to say what he wants and do what he, and do what he wants. So I went back and looked it up. Exactly when it was, when he told Gary, one of the most, uh, he, he always speaks truth to you, but sometimes the truth really hurts. But he said to me, you have convinced me, talking to me, you have convinced me that you are not interested in intimacy. And I went back and looked it up, and it was 2018. And since that time, I've been working, trying to prove to him that I am too. <laughs> Well, actually, it's just called repentance. I said, I know you're right, but I'm I'm changing that now. And Sue knows at the house that there's been more worship played, uh, and then I'm trying, you know, I'm doing everything that I know to do to get in there. But what a thing for the for the Holy Ghost to say, you have proven to me you're not interested in intimacy, and yet the blueprint that we're supposed to do even more this year than last year. Is all about intimacy. Well, Gary, what does that mean? That means repentance. And I have. I've apologized. How many of you know he loves me? I'm, when I say I apologize, I've apologized to him. And I'm, I'm going to do better. I am interested in intimacy. Knowledge now is no longer enough. And I want knowledge. I'm not going to quit praying in tongues. But I'm going in there. I'm going in there. It's not okay just to sit... Even like Joshua, I don't want to sit the rest of my life just outside the glory. I don't want to sit in the tent and hear everything secondhand. I want to be in there myself. And that's exactly what the call is. The blueprint for 2020 and what he's saying to us in 21, that's exactly what the call is. Seek me with your whole heart. Seek me with your whole heart. And if you do, you will find me. Okay. I'll finish up with this again. This is from Dutch Sheets. I don't know if you know who that is. but uh, A minister that I, I like a lot. I don't know him personally, but I, I appreciate his ministry. And he, he brings up this story about when his little, he has two little girls when they were like five and seven. Of course, kids that age like to play hide and seek, right? But now, you know, Dutch is a grown man. He's got two daughters, five and seven years old. And 
I'm pretty sure if he really wants to hide, he could probably hide from them where they couldn't find him. But see, they wanted to play hide and seek, but he wanted to be found. <laughs> so he says, so what I would do, I'd just make sure there was a blanket in the living room, and I'd go over by the couch or somewhere, and I'd just cover up with that blanket, you know. And pretty soon, okay, we're, we're, we're looking for you, we're seeking you now, and here they are looking around, looking around, if, and if they didn't find him quick enough, he start making little noises underneath the underneath the, sh- the blanket, like, <coughs> and oh, so they would find him, and they'd be oh, they'd be so thrilled that we found you, but he was more f- thrilled to be found. He says, uh, "Yeah, you have to seek God with your whole heart, but the truth of it is, He wants to be found more than you want to find Him. You be diligent to be seeking. You spend your time." You might hear him make some little noises to help you. (laughs) Oh, I love that image. That helps me so much. That's a father. That's a father, see. Now we'll finish up with Joshua. Uh, You know, the cloud and the fire, pillar of cloud, and cloud by day and fire by night, that stopped the day they crossed Jordan. You remember that? So there was a whole new way of God dealing with man. It's a, it really, it's a difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. And right before the first battle, Joshua is staring at Jericho. He's looking at it. And boy, it was scary. It said it was shut up, walled up. They were ready for war. Every, every entrance barricaded. But he got, he got spoken to all right. But it wasn't a cloud. If you want to know the truth of it, it was the pre-incarnate Lord himself. It was the Lord of angel armies. And he appeared and spoke to Joshua face to face. That's the covenant that we're in. Hallelujah. Let us seek him. Let us seek him. He's going to help us find him in ways that we've never known before. We're going to carry his presence into a lost world. I'll tell you, every day that goes by, the only hope for America is revival. And I'm telling you, the only hope for the world is revival. But thank God for God, because he is coming. And we're going to be the carriers of that presence. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. We will carry his presence.